Hello, my name is Rick Napier, the CEO at Real People USA LLC, located somewhere between Sacramento and San Francisco, California. And tonight, it's uh, November 20th. It's uh, pretty late this evening for both myself and my guest. And my guest is Ruben Young. He was the Florida, the, the, the Florida Republican co congressional candidate for District 25. And he was running against Debbie Wasserman Schultz as a the, on the democrat side and he was running on the on the primary side against carla spaulding the nurse and the real estate agent and so what we want to do now is just uh invite ruben to the real people usa uh podcast and have him talk about the appeal that has been accepted uh in the florida courts and this appeal uh will basically let the judge re review the proceedings involving Ruben's election challenge. So without further delay, I would like to bring on Ruben Young uh, calling from Miami, Florida. Hello, Ruben, how are you doing? Hello, Rick, how are you doing? It's always good to be on again. I thank God that I get a chance to come back on Real People USA. Uh, and uh, I always enjoy the conversations. I think the conversation is really the type of conversation where you, know, you, really just, you just have a discussion and that's what I'm looking forward to because I believe that all the interviews I've done, your program is certainly the most uh, uh, is a program that asks the question that really, really, really count. I thank you for the for the night discussion. Well, I tell you what, in the wake of many uh, Republican candidates, uh, regardless of the position they were running for, uh, many have fallen to the Democrat schemes and the Democrats, I mean, they, they probably had some machine things going on, but this one, particularly in your case, had a lot to do with, in my opinion, and I'm not, I'm not a legal expert, but a lot of human, uh, a human interaction, a lot of human stuff that was done. And I know you wanna talk about your appeal case. So please, for people who may not have followed your case, and by the way, I want to tell you, out of all the people who lost their 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 races, you look better than like 99% of them of having a shot to get some justice with all the stuff that that was going on in your District 25 uh, congressional race there in South Broward with Joe Scott, supervisor of elections, and and Carla Spalding, the uh, person that allegedly has uh, a citizenship problem and may not have be qualified to run then Debbie Wasserman Schultz with her continuous infinite uh, camp, uh, campaigning and running for congressional office when it seems like there was some rules or some, some judgments by the Florida Supreme Court that said she couldn't run as consecutively as she did. So please bring us up to date of uh, where you, where, how we started and where we are today. Okay, well, back in 2021, Rick, just for your audience information, I uh, filed for Congress. I was the first Republican uh, in this election cycle to run, uh, to file and get in the race as a Republican. Uh, got in the race, I believe, in 2021, around the uh, end of January, the beginning of February. So I was the first Republican. You know, one of the things that I find a lot of 
uh, candidates think, because they ran for a seat a couple of times, they think the these seats are inherently their seat. When it's not their seat, because I had a lot of people tell me, Rick, that I was running against my opponent, Carlos Fonin. I had to, I had to, 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 to clarify that and say that this seat belongs to Debbie, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Uh, she's the incumbent. Everyone else to me didn't matter because I wasn't focusing on anyone else other than keeping my eyes on the prize. And I, the prize was Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And so I sat still and I qualified by petition. I did a lot of work. I had to get out of Broward County. I had to get out of Dade County because of some of the shenanigans. So I already knew going in that I was going to have some problems with our local supervisor election. I didn't know how how severe uh, the problem would be, but I knew we were going to have problems. Even when we, when I had to file a number of uh, election complaints about some things that took place in the in the special primary. I saw how those elections were handled. I saw where you report matters of ballot harvesting or where you report some type of a misconduct. I saw the supervisor of election, especially in Bravo County, not doing one, one got dog on thing to try to rectify that when he's the person on the ground for the state. See, the supervisor of election is really, really, really a technical assistant type position. They're there to assist the Department of, of State, the Division of Election, that's the that's the, the role that they play is, is a technical or supportive kind of role, Rick. And but the ultimate person responsible for all of our elections are you know is the Department of State Division of Election. Right now we currently have uh Cory Burr. Previous before that we had Laura Lee and I've written especially Laura Lee, I've written her numerous times about election violations, because I've been on this since 1990. I hear that this is now a, a conversation that's taking place all over the country, but I was on this since 1990 trying to shut this down. And I went through all these presidents, I went through all these congressional representatives, I went through all these uh, state representatives, uh, senators, uh, I went through all, everybody until I got to a, a President Donald Trump, and it took a Donald Trump and the voice that he had to magnify this. So we, we know going into this that we'll probably have some problems with our local supervisor election. And mind you, Rick, I had alerted the supervisor election. We had went through uh, the redistricting. When we went through the redrawing of the line, and what I know is that he was still, Broward County was still using old data. I brought that to their attention because they didn't want to give me any updates because as a candidate, I have a right to request certain balloting information so I can get out there and actually be a, be an informed candidate and really get out there and, and uh, organize and touch the people. And when they refused to do that, I went on their website, I saw that the Broward County Supervisor Election is still using old data. So I wrote them and I brought it to Mr. Scott's attention. Evidently that email went ignored. And then when the sample ballot came out, because that's after I qualified. I, I'm a qualified candidate by petition, so I was out there boosting ground, but when we start getting closer to the election, Rick, um, when the sample ballots came out around either uh, April, May, June, somewhere around there, I took a look at it and I saw some problems. And I saw that they had my name at the bottom of the ballot, when, you know, when Florida has what they call an uh, order of balloting, where my name should have been at the very Top of the ballot because I was running for uh, for congressional race, and then every other position 
fall in line because, you know, this wasn't a, a presidential election year. So I brought that to his attention, but that was not the real problem. The real problem came when I had, at, when you took a look at the ballot and you identified that there was a lot of candidates running in the wrong races. And then that began to alert an, another phase of the process where uh, you identified that problem from the jump. Uh, Joe Scott was notified, the governor was notified, the lieutenant governor was notified, and the secretary of state was notified. We notified all these appointing authorities to let them know that we was having problems with the ballot, the sample ballot. And when Mr. Scott contacted me and asked me uh, to give my suggestions on what he needs to do to improve the ballot, I simply sent the exact same letter, Rick, that you had helped me prepare that I sent to the governor and that I sent to the lieutenant governor, identified uh, these problems. So uh, Mr. Scott was quite aware, but that wasn't, that wasn't the point. The point was to help a certain candidate qualify and help a certain candidate or incumbent candidate win the election. So this was a, they was playing a zero-sum game. Zero-sum game, <laughs> they wasn't taking any prisoners. So when I heard Mr. Scott after uh, a, 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 a former mayor in uh, Cooper City was on the news and was in the paper and was talking about Kenya's name being on the wrong ballot, an area, an issue that you helped address. So, you know, I give you credit for that because you are in California and you were able to help identify a major problem in Florida, which Mr. Scott acted if uh, he didn't know what the real issue was when he didn't know because you alerted him, I alerted him, we told him from the get-go. But uh, I think the, the main goal was uh, to keep Debbie Wasserman Schultz in that position, and you have Carla Spalding, uh, who I now found that she may or may not be a citizen of the country. And according to the Constitution, she, shouldn't be, she should not have been eligible to run because that problem was also brought to our, uh, our Secretary of State, was also brought to our local supervisor election that we may have someone running for a position who signed off an, or signed an oath of office saying that they made all the qualifications, but yet one of the qualifications to run for Congress, you have to be a United States citizen either by birth or by naturalization. And so we, we, we begin to fight that election after that primary election break took place on August the 23rd, I filed the next day challenging the election. Um, I mean, I filed the next day a week or so challenging the election, uh, requesting canvassing board reports. Uh, the canvassing board was quite aware. And, you know, one of the things about the canvassing board, the composition of the canvassing board, from what I know, it had all judges. Um, and according to a Florida statute 102.141, the canvassing board composition is supposed to consist of the supervisor of election, the uh, chairman of the board of county commissioners, and a, 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 I think either the chief circuit judge or, or an alternative judge. But that's the composition. And that's the composition I believe that, that's in the uh, statute 102.141, or it used to be there unless they changed it. But that's the total composition. So if this composition of this board had all judges, and they were the one 
who certified the election, then that, that's another concern that someone should be able to take a look at because that was not a legal board. It, it had, if the law has not changed where it included the canvassing board now consists of all judges and along with the supervisor elected, then that may be a potential problem now and into the future. So, Rick, uh, I filed a lawsuit, uh, went to, uh, filed it first in Broward, found out that it was filed in the wrong jurisdiction. I'm not a lawyer. Uh, it was filed in the wrong jurisdiction, so the case was transferred to Leon County. And when we got to Leon County, the, 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 the plan was still not to allow this election challenge to go forward because the goal was to make sure whether Colin Spalding was a citizen or not, this was to make sure that she stay in place so the ultimate result, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, win uh, that seat after being in that seat since 2004. And one of the things with my, my limited background of legal research, I had went and found that uh, a congressional representative, quote, because Florida has term limits, and we have had term limits since 1992, Rick. And then that term limit says that an elected official, uh, such as a state representative, a state senator, a U.S. representative, they can only serve uh, eight years, sit out two years, and then rerun. But they're under the misnotion, uh, under the misnorm, that a congressional representative can run as many times as want because the Supreme Court deemed the 1992 term limit amendment uh, to be unconstitutional, which if you do your research and you get into the case and you actually research what the Supreme Court did, Rick, that, that, that appears to be not true. What the Supreme Court did was an Arkansas case and it concerned U.S. Term Limit Inc. Uh, versus, uh, versus Thornton, I think that's the name. And uh, in that case, Rick, the Supreme Court struck that provision of the section of the law down because that was a 1992 uh, change to their constitution. But in that state constitution, they said something completely different than what we said. The state said that if you've been serving in um, your elected capacity as a U.S. representative for at least three or four terms, your name would not appear on the ballot. That's not the same as term limit. They're saying that you can run, but we're, we're not going to put your name on our state ballot. So you can run for Congress. And, that, and so the state did not agree or put forth an agreement or a amendment that says that after so many years, you have to sit out two years and then run. They simply said in that Arkansas case in 1995 that we're not putting your name on our ballot. That's not the same language that we have in our 1992 term limit amendment. So when that case went to to the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court struck that provision down. And what they did all, all these years, they used that as their roadmap to say that the Supreme Court struck down the Florida 1992 term amendment when they know that's not true. They know that the court never uh, 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 struck our 1992 term amendment. It never struck it down. They knew that, and all these years, they've been allowing a lot of these congressional representatives to continually run for these seats, knowing that they may or may not be in violation. And I say that, I say that carefully, Rick, because I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not trying to pretend to be a lawyer. I'm just someone who uh, sits down and takes the time to look into uh, information, and that's what I'm bringing now right. to your listening audience. I'm bringing information right. because so let me, let me when I read that, Go ahead, finish that thought. Then I'm gonna jump in and when say I read something. That, okay, when, so when I read that, I, 
I didn't get that understanding at all. As a matter of fact, it said uh, the proponents of term limits had asked the Florida Supreme Court to take measures where the U.S. Supreme Court had failed uh, because the U.S. Supreme Court did not strike down those uh, those amendments to certain state constitutions such as the one in Florida. So all this time, uh, Debbie Watson Schultz had been in that position where it had never been challenged, the statute never been deemed unconstitutional, and no one is above the law. The law is the law. Nobody's above the law. That's right. That's right. So, so I want to go back. Uh, I want to go back. Go ahead. So we're moving through the court, uh, challenging the primary election, uh, where I'm asking the court. Uh, I had filed a motion to compel Congress Spalding to present her citizenship document last year, 2021. I sent you an email. I asked her the same thing. Uh, if she had provided that information, we would not have be we, we would not be facing a, a challenge in court. And um, you know, after the judge did what uh, the, the court did, what the court did in uh, last month by not giving me a fair opportunity to plead my case not giving me a fair opportunity to argue the motions of to compel a document. What the court said that she was satisfied with the document that Carlos Spalding emailed her, a photocopy of a document. Uh, I don't know if it was an application, but what should have been sent and what should have been filed in the clerk's office because this is an adversarial proceeding where I'm asking the court to remove her from the ballot because of this issue and put my name on the ballot. So all information that was supposed to come before the judge should have been filed with the clerk. It cannot be sent to a judge ex parte. And in this instance, that information was sent ex parte. And what should have been sent to the judge or what should have been filed in the clerk's office is uh, it was from, should have been from the USCIS Certificate of Naturalization. That's the official document that should have been filed with the clerk's office for all people to review. I filed my birth certificate. I have nothing, no problem filing my birth certificate because I'm a U.S. citizen and because I have nothing to have. So uh, right now we're still going through the process. It's a very delicate process. I'm asking the, uh, this honorable court now to review the decision of the lower court and if there's any uh, uh, errors to be corrected, I'm asking the uh, a court, the appeals court, to uh, to to correct it, because that's what the appeal court is. It's a review court. You don't right. hold trials in appeals court. You don't present new information. If the information was not filed in the uh, uh, I mean, in the lower court, then you certainly cannot now file that information with the appeals court. They don't take they don't they don't take new information, and they don't hear new arguments. So let me let me, let me go back and let me go back. Let me go back and give people some finer points. And, the, and these are the points. I mean, you, you laid out most of the case, and we will continue. But I want to go back to some of, some of the finer points that people will, will be shaking their heads about. Okay? So one of the finer points is that when you, um, when you were uh, meeting with um, – I almost forgot what I was going to say. I'm, I'm, I'm going to clean it up. One of the things that I want to talk about was that when you had that that hearing with that Judge Dempsey, a Florida Republican judge, the thing I want people to understand is that 
you had that that trial or that that hearing on Zoom. You had it on Zoom, so it, so it wasn't a lot of media attention. So the thing I want to bring up is that these people, these people that were that were sort of managing, if you want to call it that, like a bad word, managing, they tried to limit the exposure that the public could 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 have about this case. They had it on Zoom. There was there's no COVID shutdowns in Tallahassee. You were willing to go up to Tallahassee and meet with the judge in an open setting where the media could be there and Carla could be there and, and Joe Scott's people could be there. Joe Scott could be there. But instead, they tried to sweep it under the rug and have like this this Zoom meeting so that only a few people could attend. And I believe you even told me that they didn't want outsiders to listen into the meeting, even though you did. There was like one or two people that did listen in. They didn't want outsiders to hear about it. So, so it's almost like they tried to keep it under wraps and make this decision in, in private quarters so that the media would not know there was a problem. Now, go ahead and, and, and speak to that. Then I got another thing to, to ask you about the, the Arkansas thing. Okay, so, you know, we, 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 we had two different hearings. We had a hearing on October the 31st. No, we had a hearing on October the 28th. Uh, that's where uh, Carla Spalding claimed that her attorney could not make it. The first attorney that she had, the one that we had, uh, that she had in Broward County. And she claimed that he was on a plane going somewhere else and so on and so forth. So when, so when we got to that hearing, uh, the judge allowed the defendants to present their case before I presented my case. In civil cases, and this is what I'm glad you brought this up, in a civil case, the burden of proof rests on the plaintiff. I'm the, I was the plaintiff. I filed the filing. It was my filing fee or my money that I spent to get that issue before the judge so I can uh, prove my case. And that, is, that was limited because the judge had all the attorneys to make their case before I did, and then she gave all the attorneys the last word. Where in a civil case, the plaintiffs get the last word. I'm supposed to be the last person to defend or to present my case uh, you know, after everybody had said, they said, gave me an opportunity to rebut. But the judge didn't do that. She took that away. She took that away from me. Matter of fact, uh, it, it seemed that uh, I was in a situation where uh, it, was, it was almost kind of hostile. I don't know where that hostility came from. I don't know what I did other than try to defend my case because I claimed that both of these uh, individuals, Debbie Washington Schultz and Carlos Falling, they were ineligible. Debbie being ineligible for the 1992 term amendment and Carlos being ineligible because she may not be a citizen. So the judge in here didn't want to hear that. Uh, Carlos Falling tried to defend herself because she claimed that her attorney could not be there, so uh, the judge went around the, the, the room and uh, got an agreement, uh, somewhat, something like that, whereas some of the defendants I was willing to let uh, relinquish, but then I found in a election contest, which is a statutory election contest, they're what they call indispensable parties, defendants. If they're not on the case, then you don't have a case. The case can't, cannot move forward. And this is why the statute put them on because an election contest is not a uh, an equity lawsuit. That, that doesn't follow the rules of equity. It follows a statutory 
uh, uh, it follows statute, and it's the statute that the Florida legislature set in motion to give circuit court judges the opportunity to assist them in resolving illegal elections or alleged illegal elections or questions reigning, reigning from alleged uh, uh, illegal elections. So it was very hard to then, then on the on the 31st, the, at the next hearing, they did everything they could, Rick, because when I, when that first hearing, I emailed a lot of uh, concerned parties, uh, inter, interested parties, and they felt that was improper because I uh, invited them to attend a Zoom because, like you said, I was willing and I was prepared to go to Tallahassee. I had the funds from a settlement that came at the right time, so I had the funds uh, to do that. And they, they denied me that opportunity because they restricted, they were limited, they didn't want to give the press any whim that this, that the uh, Congressional District 25 race was being contest, uh, uh, contested. That's and this right. is what they've been doing to me all for years, Rick. I mean, they never want to put me on TV, they never want to give me any media attention because they know I'm a hard worker and I'm committed to this process. So on the, the next hearing, the judge would not let me in, into the Zoom meeting. They had me on hold with for so long. And when I finally got on that meeting, it was like 10 minutes after that, she asked me this question, why were you late? Well, she knew I was, why I was late, because she wouldn't let me into the hearing. And that's why I couldn't get in. And then, Rick, she kept muting me. Every time I tried to make a point, she kept turning me off that Zoom. She kept putting me on mute. She kept putting me on mute. And then when we were going through the process, she let one of these attorneys say, say outright lie. He was talking about my not having standing to, for a recount. But this was not about a recount. This was about an election contest based upon misconduct, fraud, corrupt practices, corrupt practices and ineligibility. Those were the issues I was raising. I was raising a recount issue, but she wanted him to put that on record he put that on record. When I started trying to correct the record, she tried to cut me off. And I said, well, y'all, I'm just trying to put this on the record. Because I know in a lower court, if I decided I was going to appeal this case, I had to have my information on the record in the lower court. Because if you don't have it in the lower court, you cannot raise those issues in the next court. So she did everything she could to the judge in this case, the Judge Dempsey. She did everything she, she could to forego my constitutional rights or forego my having right or access to our courts. Because in Florida Constitution, I think, uh, stipulates that Article 1, Section 21, that no citizen should be denied access. When you don't give me the proper hearing, when you don't give me due process in a court, both substantially and procedurally, when you don't give me my right to have access or to present my case, because I felt that an injury had occurred, then you were denying me access to justice. And so it was awful, Rick. Yes, it was awful, but I endured it, and now we're moving through the appeals. Now, the other thing that, that caught me by surprise that, that you told me was that uh, Carla's attorney tried to link your election challenge with, with um, you know, challenging her citizenship and eligibility to run for Congress. He tried to tie that to President Trump talking about Obama's citizenship issue. So my thing is, why would a Republican, this, I mean, you ran against a Republican in, in the primary, 
And why would a Republican candidate use Trump versus Obama as some type of, um, you know, reasoning or some type of logic of why you filed your case? I mean, it seems like, I mean, if I was a Republican candidate, I wouldn't use Trump versus Obama. That sounds like her attorney was more in, was more in support of a Democrat. That just made no sense to me. That made no sense to me. And like you said, that judge, which I'm very disappointed in, by the way, I mean, um, we're talking about Republican judge. We're talking about someone that's working in the uh, Ron DeSantis leadership team. I'm not saying that she works for Ron DeSantis, you know, as, 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 a, as an employee. I'm saying that she's, she's, she's working in, in, in Ron DeSantis, you know, government. And, and Ron DeSantis looks like he's up and up. But then you got these judges doing these things at a level that, that I'm just shocked that you and about five to seven other congressional candidates, in my opinion, didn't get uh, didn't have like a very fair election. I'm just shocked that DeSantis let that happen. But let me move on to the um, to the Arkansas thing. So what you're basically telling our audience is that for all these years, no one has brought up the fact or not the fact but they they haven't brought they haven't they didn't they never brought up the the situation where where it looks like perhaps people like Debbie Wasserman Schultz maybe may say well you know that 1995 uh, case also applies to Florida in which you have said eloquently and based on what you've told me it makes sense to me that it doesn't apply to Florida. So it seems like people have either are stupid or they just swept it under the rug. Go ahead and add some well, comments they, to that. They, then they, I, then they, we're going we're to take it to current day. Well, they, they swept that under the rug. When you don't know, you just don't know. And oftentimes people take advantage of people that don't know the law. Most, most families, they don't sit down and learn the law. Yeah, I, I, I believe everybody should understand the law on all levels, the local, uh, city, county, state, federal. I think that the law is what defines this country. And when people don't know, you have you have people who are lawyers and the judges. They understand the law. And when they bring you before their court, you're lost. That's why you have to hire a lawyer. But I've had the opportunity to work in the court system. That's why I kept running for the clerk of the courts. I had an opportunity to you know to do a lot of different things. I built a national organization called Black Organizing Leadership Development. And, and we constantly, I had to read the Constitution 24-7 because of the people I was dealing with, congressmen, senators, uh, governors, presidents, you know, dealing with those people on that level, ambassadors, you know, United Nations, dealing with people on that level. So I had to be familiar with the language of, of the letter of the law so I can communicate effectively. And when certain things come up, I can, I can challenge their positions by saying you are in violation of the United States Constitution, Carter of Spalding, Article 1, Section 2, Clause 2 of the United States Constitution said that you must be a citizen of the United States. But, yeah, they tried to sweep this, uh, tried to make it appear that I didn't have a, a I didn't have a, a understanding of what I was doing. Uh, they tried to make me appear that I was just some loose cannon out there, uh, some trumpster out there, which I, I did represent, and I find that to be an honor because I do support uh, President Trump 190%. So when he tried to make that comparison, I knew that comparison was wrong because all this, all, this could have been resolved 
if the, if the if Congress Pauli and her team would have just presented the uh, certificate of nationalization. I mean, she was under the impression that because she came to this country in 1986, at the age of 18, she joined the military, she served in the military from 1986 to 1991. She has, since she's been running since 2015, she's a, 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 a mountain of success businesses uh, and all kinds of different things that she's now involved in. So this has now become a, a, an ecstatic practice to where they need her. She started off as a Democrat, and then she went to an independent, then she went to a Republican. So they need her exactly where she's at. You've been hearing these stories about a lot of Democrats uh, pretending to be Republicans, or a lot of Republicans mm -hmm. pretending to be Democrats. I'm now finding that to be true. So when I came at Carla mm -hmm. in this vein, and, and when I, I filed official charges back in January, no, not January, June 16th, I filed official charges. So the state was aware. And that was way before the sample balloting came out. I had not yet heard about w w those charges. Uh, and then when we got to the election, I had asked the state to remove the elections out of the hands of the jurisdiction of our supervisor of elections, because over the years I've come to the conclusion that part of our problem is the enforcement of the law, or is the, or, or is the supervisor of elections ignoring the law. The supervisor of elections is supposed to be the frontal person. You're supposed to go to that individual when you have concerns about balancing at the lowest level possible. Then you try to work from the lowest level to the highest level. When you have supervisor of elections, there's just a, just as a uh, they are a problem as anybody out there, like a candidate, paying people to go around and collect ballots. When you have a supervisor who said that they're not going to do anything about that, that they're not going to compare signatures, that they're going to constantly keep block boxes out and increase block boxes so more people, especially Democrats, because of more, these things are partisan, when these supervisor elections should be nonpartisan, they are constitutional officers. They're not supposed to be wearing the label as Democrat or Republican, but they do, and they get away with that. But that's, that's not my call. But when you have local supervisor elections allegedly uh, engaging in these corrupt practices, engaging with trying to disqualify certain candidates they don't support, coming out for candidates and telling in meetings that they endorse a certain candidate running for office when that should not be because that person has to go now and oversee that election or go before that canvassing board or that board, but by being a member of that board, they have to make the decision about who they're going to certify. When you go in with a local supervisor election who's already biased against you, whether you are a Democrat, whether you are a Republican, you have major problems. So I am at the position that we need to stop focusing more on the supervisory election rate. We need to go back because congressional races belong to the House of Representatives Congress, and we need to remove these, these races from the jurisdiction of these local supervisory elections because state law says that state races and federal races should not be mixed with city races and county races. They're supposed to be separate, but they put them all together, and you know what goes on in these city races. You know what goes on in these county races. You know how everything is convoluted and how, you know, you just get messed up. They are overthrowing our country. They are overthrowing our country from the lowest level possible, and they're committing treason. That's what they're doing. So when they get a voice like mine 
But when they get a voice like yours, and when we rise up and step, when we rise up to the occasion, they want to knock us down by saying we don't know what we're talking about. Or they want to make, make it appear that we don't understand the rules of the game or the rules of engagement. When I have over 25 plus years in reading and studying and doing the thing, working around the process, you have the same background. We understand wrong, right from wrong. We understand the law from lawlessness. And this is what That's they're right. trying to That's shut right. down. So this yeah, is what they're trying think, to shut down. Uh, and I think uh, just, you know, move, you know, heading west, you see what, ha what happened in Arizona where Carrie Lake running for governor, she had machine problems. So it seems like the, the playbook or one of the pages in the playbook is cause a problem, and then when you cause that problem, you have opportunities to introduce uh, shenanigans to to modify the results, uh, and that's uh, what we what we're seeing across the country. So please close us out with now that your 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 case is in the appeal process. Close us out with one of these last minute moves that people may be trying to involve you in to get you to modify your appeal, even though the appeal is shut tight, it happened in the lower court and it's shut tight, but you have these, um, these bad actors now trying to use their legal uh, uh, maneuvering to try to thwart your case from getting a, a fair review. Well, 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 Rick, let me start off by saying, I still have faith in our justice system. I believe that we still have good men and women there who believe in justice, who believe in the integrity of the court, who believe in the, that the, the court is the final arbitrator, and uh, that uh, they're there to correct wrong. Uh, so I, I do believe in that. But right now, uh, we're going through a review process. This is not a lawsuit. There's no injury involved. There's really nothing to argue. And in, in, in this process, I already submitted my brief. You know, one of the things you have to do in the appeals court, you have to present your argument. You have to present uh, those defenses that you're relying on. And, 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 and you're asking for a review. You have to talk, tell the court the things that's going wrong, the things that uh, were done right, the things that were done wrong. You're asking for the statutes and ask the court to clarify certain uh, things that are uh, in statute, whether or not that, that's the true meaning of the law. And so the, the appeals court, they do that. They have some good men, some good women up there uh, in our first district court of appeal who I believe are honorable men and women who really want to see justice take place in this case. And if, and if, the, and if the pendulum swings the other way, then it's so be it. But I am not. I just filed a motion today where I don't want to engage in filing a reply brief because I've seen how uh, a lot of the defense lawyers, uh, whether it be the county attorney's office, I see that how they are skilled in the art of legalism. And I'm not here trying to be nobody's attorney. So I don't see because I'm asking a court to review actions that took place in the lower court, which it says that either party can ask the court to review. Well, I paid the money like I did in the lower court. I paid the money in the appeals court, and I now got an appeal. These are defendants. They haven't spent one dime in trying to get this issue. They were that concerned about this, these issues. They took the initiative and brought these things before the court if they were really concerned about the, about the claim. 
Carlos Barry failed to respond in the lower court to my claim. The circuit court judge knew that she, she should not have been entertained or, or given a hearing at that lower court level, but she did. So I'm asking the court to also review that. But I'm not going to let them pull me into responding to their legalism, their jargon, and looking for me to open up a door for something else to occur so they can jump on something else. And because they are, these are skilled lawyers, we're talking about people on state level, county level. We're talking about people been in private practice for over 25, 35 years. They know all the tricks of the trade. I'm not a lawyer. So I'm not trying to be one. I'm just simply going before the appeals court. I'm laying my case to the court on the, on the grounds of the court, letting the judges, the justices know for review, these are the things that took place. And if these things have to be right, they're going to rule in that favor. If they happen to be wrong, they're going to correct it. And one of the things I'm asking the court, because Carlos Baldy is a non-citizen from the information that I have, I'm asking to remove her from the ballot, put my name back on that ballot, and have a new, have a new election, if so be it. That's right. That's right. So to, so to recap for our listeners, what they're trying to do is say, wait a minute, he's got, this is my take on it, he's got a strong case, but... If we get him to add additional words to it, it can open the door so we can defeat it. And you're a smart guy. I think I tr I really do believe, Ruben, that you know more about this election uh, law uh, material and content than they do. I mean, I really do because you have, and I'm not trying to say you, you're trying to make fools out of them, but they've been chasing, they've been lagging behind you. They have, far as I can, far as I'm concerned, based on what I've seen, they haven't put up any type of legal, uh, legal, uh, something legal that says Ruben is 100% wrong. They've been dancing around this shit, man, for like, for, I mean, they've been, they've been dancing around it because they don't have uh, uh, some like a comeback, a legal thing that says that Ruben is incorrect, Your Honor. So they've tried everything else. So, man, the close us out with uh, a few words. Well, yeah, man yeah, cl yeah, close us out in a few words, man. Hey, I'm asking, I'm asking you, uh, you all to stand by me, to pray with me, uh, to, to support me, uh, to, to help me keep this case moving uh, through a legal defense fund. If you know a good lawyer out there that can assist me, someone that understands the appeals process, somebody, something, someone that understands taking this all the way to the United States Supreme Court is needed and necessary, then uh, uh, please have them to join me and contact me, Rick. Contact me because I need, I need that additional help. Absolutely. So, Ruben Young, now your case is in the appeals court. We're definitely going to pray for you. We're going to put this out across the many platforms that Real People USA is on. People are listening. And Ed Crane you know, out here in Sacramento, that's a radio station host, conservative radio. He 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 wishes you well. He he asks about you all the time. So you do have people in California that know about this case, and uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you have one.